to Navigating Nuance. This is Ashley M. Saruya, and this is the show where we talk about health at every size, weight stigma, and eating disorder recovery via your submitted questions. Let's talk about the question of the day. Hello and welcome. So today is all about social work. Uh, I know I still have that question to answer that I promised I would answer uh, for this week about how we can implement uh, intuitive eating when food insecurity is a very real issue for many people. Um, That is still on the docket. Uh, It is still something I'm going to talk about and address, but um, I had someone pop into my DMs today and ask me a question that I think A lot of people doing this work professionally, especially social workers who are training, uh, can benefit from. So, and I also have a couple of questions related to um, how we go about training uh, as Hayes professionals, as social workers. So I've got a couple of of questions uh, that I'd like to address, and hopefully we can do so in somewhat of a timely manner without me rambling too much. So... Um, the first question actually comes from a follower. Um, she is someone who has just started her MSW program, and she had a question related to how to navigate um, speaking out about fat oppression within social work programs. So specifically, she asks, I'm in my first year of my MSW program, and in my human behavior class, we are discussing the areas of oppression that the field of social work addresses, and all the usual oppressions were there, but body size wasn't. I want to know why it's not considered a form of oppression or privilege in the field of social work. So here's the thing, guys, peeps, non-binary folks of all colors and stripes. This is new territory. This is new ground, despite the fact that this content and literature and research and perspective has been around since the 60s. um, This is not mainstream information, right? This is still very new for a lot of people, for a lot of clinicians especially, because if we think about practicing clinicians, uh, they're not sitting in the classroom every day. They're They're often not in the trenches, especially if you're talking about um, therapy uh, certifications that aren't social work, so ones that really focus on uh, the, the mind, the individual. Uh, so, you know, a, a licensed counselor, a marriage and family therapist. Not to say that those um, licensures are lacking in any way, but um, social work, because it's so, at least in theory, focused on social justice, uh, social change, equity, again, in theory, Uh, (laughs) there's more space and more insistence in terms of making sure you're keeping up with the current research, uh, with the current perspectives on certain issues. Um, So I think that social workers are very uniquely placed to do the work of education around this. You know, I will say that I've converted many of my professors at this point um, to some degree with my papers. Um, You know, I remember there's actually, there was in my clinical class, one of my clinical classes last year, 
uh, we were learning about SMART goals, which if you're not familiar, um, SMART goals are a very um, commonly used therapeutic intervention. Um, the goals must be, so the S is for specific, the M is for measurable, the A is for achievable, the R is for, I wanna say reasonable, and the T is for time bound. So basically a SMART goal is a goal that you develop with the client that meets all of these requirements. And, you know, in, in theory, it's something that you work on with the client together, you revisit, you adjust, all that. So <clears throat> in order to teach about the SMART goal, one of my professors had us watch a video. And lo and behold, what example does the video use? Diet and weight loss. So the SMART goal was based on weight loss. And I emailed her and I said, look, like I, I totally appreciate the resource, totally get the concept, but you might wanna consider looking for a different instructional video that doesn't use this kind of rhetoric because, and then I sort of laid it out, um, you know, sent her some of the research, uh, sent her just, just a little blurb on health at every size and why social workers should be concerned with health at every size. I got an email back pretty quickly and it was like, excellent point, I'll be changing it for next semester. Uh, in my research class, I basically took every opportunity to talk about health at every size. Um, and, and every professor I have encountered thus far is very open to it. Um, sometimes uh, fellow classmates aren't as much, but I will say that again, because social work is a social justice oriented approach to therapy, one that considers structures of power, um, the micro, meso, macro, and how they interplay with one another, I do believe that social workers are primed for learning about weight stigma. Because really, when, when you sit down with a social worker and break it down, most that I've encountered will say things like, oh, that makes total sense. Because it already fits into our framework, right? So I don't think it's that big of a leap. That being said, the education isn't happening on a large scale, which means that inevitably we become the educators, we being Hayes aligned and Hayes educated social workers, clinicians, therapists, etc. We become the people to educate and inform on this issue. And, you know, it can be really frustrating because most of the time, the people who are the most outspoken about a marginalization that's not being considered are those who are marginalized by that identity, right? So in this, in this case, um, it is mostly fat people who are Hayes social workers, Hayes clinicians, who then have to take the brunt of this educating role. And that sucks, right? Like there's, there's nothing, like we can't get around the fact that that sucks um, and that it's unfair and that it uh, exposes us, it exposes us to potential harm, right? And so, you know, it's interesting because in some ways you might feel like you're walking into the classroom and you're educating everybody else rather than the other way around, like you're going to school to learn, right? And of course, that's not to say that like going to school is valueless because it's not at all. Um, and you will learn lots and lots of things that, you know, aren't relevant to Hayes or are relevant, but, you know, aren't strictly about or related to weight uh, and, you know, utilize those in your clinical practice. Right. So, so it's not to say that, that that education is pointless in any way, shape or form. 
also, personally, um, and the person who I spoke with, we actually talked about this a little bit. Um, personally, I think that some of the best and most profound education I've received via my program and through educating about Hayes has been um, how to have, make sure I'm heard, right? So how my delivery impacts what is being heard. Now, I am never one to tone police. I completely believe and, and, and strongly, I strongly believe that those who have been oppressed are entitled to their anger. And those who have been oppressed um, and marginalized are allowed to enact their pain in any way, shape, or form that feels right to them. All that being said, there is a reality that goes with, I want my message to be heard, is the way I'm going about this going to uh, facilitate that, right? So, you know, it's an unfortunate fact of the human brain that we run from conflict. So conflict, uh, and I think I've mentioned this either previously or on other podcasts, but our brain perceives a challenge to our worldview in the same way that it perceives a challenge to our physical selves. It is a threat. The brain perceives that as a threat. And in response, we have fight, uh, fight flight, freeze, fawn. I think those are the four uh, that are official because there are some other ones that people are playing around with. But those are the official ones. And so that's why we get defensiveness. That's why we get people freaking the fuck out when we say to them, no, this isn't how you thought it was, right? Because we're not just saying, oh, you just need to think about it a little bit differently. We're saying that this thing that you've bought into your entire life that most likely you have acted upon right? Because most of us in diet culture have acted upon our diet mentality beliefs in some way, have invested in them in some way. So all of this work that you've done, all of this effort you've put in, the money, the time, it's all for naught, right? It's all a waste. I mean, I would never say it's a waste, but when, when you talk to people about this, that is how many of them, you know, they walk away feeling that you're basically telling them that their way of life is wrong. Now, I know and you know that that's not what we're saying. But the reality is that depending on how we say it, that is what is heard. And as soon as that is what is heard, conversation shuts down. There's, there is no dialogue. There is no productive, um, you know, outcome, usually, generally speaking. Um, so I have learned a lot in the classroom in terms of, you know, interjecting, uh, you know, knowing when to interject, knowing when I have the energy to do so and when I should just, you know, cop out, um, knowing when I'm safe enough to do so, knowing um, when I'm going to have people to back me up, knowing how to phrase things, knowing how to, um, you know, sort of throw someone a nugget, a little bit of an idea without overwhelming them, right? These are different strategies of communication that you learn and you learn through trial and error. And so the classroom really becomes a place to try out these different styles of communication and see what sticks, what works, what makes people fly off the handle. Um, you know, and, and that's not to say that like, if you say something one way, 
and someone freaks out that you should never do it that way again, right? Because how people react is much more often about them than it is about you. So that's not to say that like if you get a bad reaction that you're wrong, you shouldn't do it that way, it's not going to work. I would always suggest trying with different people different things and, you know, <clears throat> trial and error is a process and that also means trial and error with the same thing that maybe has gone wrong a couple of times, right? And supervision comes into play with this a lot too. Um, to be fair, it depends if you have a good supervisor or not, but a good supervisor, especially one of, with social work where we are concerned with, um, with the macro level, with advocacy, with activism, a good social work supervisor in theory would help you to navigate uh, when it is and isn't appropriate, what is appropriate, how is it appropriate, you know, how can we show up in a space and be deemed professional while still sticking to our beliefs, while still um, owning our truth, right? And especially, I mean, you know, these things aren't just challenged in the classroom when people say fat phobic bullshit, they're challenged by our clients, you know? Like, it's very possible that you're going to show up and be the only fat clinician, you know, be the only clinician who, when the fat client comes to you, isn't going to tell them to lose weight, you know, so there, there, there's pushback from all sides of this, and I think that, you know, like I said, it's frustrating, but it's also an opportunity. Um, I think it was, uh, it was a, a, an anti-racism educator that I follow, and she said something along the lines of, um, it wasn't there. So like any, like the, the, the thing I needed, the, the resource, it wasn't there. So like any good social worker, I made it, right? So we are going to be the ones that have to make this uh, curriculum, this anti-bias training. We are going to have to get the NASW, for example, the National Association for Social Workers, to prioritize this to include fat people in their activism, to consider size when talking about privilege and oppression. We are going to have to be, I think it's, what's the word, Har the harbin harbingers? That can't be a word. The, we, are we are the ones who are going to have to rush in this new age of thinking about size. Again, I think that many in the social work field are ready for it. And in a lot of cases, you may get zero pushback. Um, most people, very often, they will, if they're having struggles with the Hayes paradigm, a lot of it um, will focus on the healthism aspect. So they'll be okay with, say, reclaiming the word fat and saying that or, or acknowledging the institutional uh, harm that fat people face, um, you know, medical fat phobia, um, hiring uh, discrimination, all of that. But when it comes to saying, you know, but, but fat is still unhealthy, that that's very often where people uh, will stop and where people will need to be pushed. And, you know, that's really hard because explaining or shining a light on the fact that we regard health as a moral obligation in Western culture can also be really triggering or disorienting for people. A lot of people have never even considered that fact, right? Um, 
so, so the, that, I think, in many ways is, is where most of the pushback comes from. And, you know, I mean, I believe that saying, well, this hurts people and harms people, and I know that because people have told me, is enough to urge somebody to stop doing a certain thing. But for some people, they want, you know, hard, quote unquote, research. They want facts, quote unquote. Um, I would argue that personal experience is a fact, but it's not necessarily generalizable to the public and we can have a whole conversation about research ethics and whatnot. Um, that being said, uh, we have the data, especially in terms of med medical fat phobia, to show that this has a negative impact on people's health. Uh, and, you know, social workers are all required to take a research class. We're not considered the hardest of sciences. You know, it's, it's considered a, you know, quote unquote, soft science. It's a social science. Um, but there is still research in this area. And as far as I'm concerned, we need to have a lot more research in this area. I really would love if Hayes social workers would really focus on the research. Um, and that includes uh, qualitative research, interviews, um, documenting these experiences in ways that they have yet to be documented. So basically, to come back to the original question, um, we're at the very beginning of creating a mainstream acknowledgement of the harms of fat phobia, which means that the clinical fields have not caught up yet, which means that we have to catch them up. Okay, off my soapbox. <laughs> Now, the second set of questions that I'd like to address are more focused on uh, why I chose social work and whether or not there's a health at every size social work program. So as far as the latter question is concerned, I can very easily and clearly say no. There is not a social work program that is Hayes-oriented. Um, most of us, in terms of, you know, if you want to work in the field, in health at every size in a clinical setting, most of us have some kind of clinical degree, whether it's therapy, um, there's, uh, there's social workers, there's licensed counselors, there's uh, marriage and family therapists, there's lots of different um, certifications and, and licensures that you can get uh, in order to obtain your clinical practice. And then the health at every size education is unfortunately largely on your own. Um, it can be completed through continuing education. So for example, um, Be Nourished has a program. It's the Body Trust Certification. And it's, uh, a, it is appropriate for, I think, I want to say all healthcare professionals, but I, I might be overstating that. Um, and, and those kinds of programs can really give you the, you know, quote unquote, official label of being competent in Hayes practice. There's also the intuitive eating certification run by Evelyn Triboli. Uh, there is, there are a bunch of online courses. There are, um, Haley Goodrich has a company called Inspired to Seek where they, it's specifically for dietitians. Um, and they do different webinars every month, usually focused on either private practice or Hayes practice. Um, 
But, you know, like I was saying before, we're really, I mean, this sounds obnoxious, but we're pioneers in, in a sense that this stuff doesn't exist yet. You know, I think Julie Duffy Dillon is working on creating a Hayes integrated dietetics uh, program down in North Carolina, but that's only for dietitians, and it also, I don't believe, is up and running yet, um, and it's taken a lot of work on uh, Julie's part to get that off the ground. So, in short, no, it doesn't exist yet, but it needs to. Um, you know, I also will say that, uh, personally, it, I believe that if you want to work with eating disorders, um, specifically in terms of healing someone's relationship with food in their body, I do believe that having some kind of marriage between counseling skills and nutrition skills, whether that's in the form of two separate clinicians who each have those respective uh, licensures working together, so like Dana and Hillary of Be Nourished, Hillary is a therapist, Dana is a dietitian, or um, going and getting both of those degrees yourself. Uh, ideally, you would be able to go to one program and get the information for both, but again, that doesn't exist yet. Um, and I do know people who have gone to get both, to gone to grad school twice to get, you know, both sets of license, licenses. Um, but that's a lot of money and a lot of time. Um, you know, I chose social work to answer the first question. Um, I chose social work because of the social justice emphasis, because of the, the, acknowledgement and focus on the fact that we do not exist on this planet by ourselves. We exist within culture, we exist within institutions, we exist within systems, and these systems play a role in um, how we conceptualize ourselves, how we are able to take care of ourselves, how we interact in the world, right? They have a, a hugely profound impact on how we experience the world. And to me, attempting to address any mental health struggles without talking about the microaggressions someone experiences on a daily basis or, <coughs> you know, the challenges that someone is facing navigating this world simply because they are in a black body or they're poor or um, they are in a fat body, right? These everyday obstacles that only exist for certain groups of people. Um, and it is basically constantly shoved in your face that you are different, you are other, you are not good enough. Um, I, I don't really think that any, any competent mental health care provider would suggest to you that not talking about those things in relation to how it relates to someone's mental health is like a good idea or competent practice, right? And, you know, I would argue that all mental health care professionals should address those things in their sessions. They might not because that's not the focus of their training, which again is why I prefer social work. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, kind of infighting, I guess, in the therapy community about, like, which licensure is quote-unquote best, and, you know, it can get kind of catty and weird, um, and I don't think there's any licensure that is quote-unquote best, you know? I think they all have strengths and weaknesses, 
um, you know, like social work, for example, I would say a weakness is um, that we don't focus on research. We don't invest in research. We don't take research very seriously in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that's a, a huge failing in the social work community. So all that to say, I chose social work because of the social justice focus and because that felt most authentic to me, that approach felt most authentic to me. But I do not think that there is a single path to working with eating disorders. I do not think there is a single path to doing health at every size work. Um, there are so many different ways, even non-therapeutically, non-healthcare related, that you can do Hayes work. You know, there's policy work to be done, which you can do as a social worker if you're a macro level social worker, but you can also do as a policymaker. Um, you know, there's lots of different things um, that, you know, because again, this is a system, which means it, it, it can't, there is no single magic bullet, you know, let's knock off this one thing and then everything's all good. Right, because it's embedded in, in, in all different parts of our society, which means that we need intervention in all different parts of our society. Now, you know, not, that doesn't necessarily exist. You know, there, there isn't a, a position, say, in, um, you know, an MBA program for addressing weight bias in business and how it can, you know, improve your business. <laughs> like, that doesn't exist. Um, but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist or that it can't exist. You know, I, the age of the internet is really interesting, especially for professionals. You know, I can't even tell you how many, how many courses I've helped develop. And some of them were for clients to heal their relationship with food, but some of them were also for healthcare professionals um, to, you know, share about private practice, to share about how to, um, you know, like Christy Harrison's Master Your Anti-Diet Message. Um, you know, these are all different uh, supplementary educational programs that people have made because there's a need. Um, so I guess I would say don't be discouraged by, you know, if you don't have the right degree or if you don't have the right background. Because really and truly, like, I taught myself most of this. Uh, I did my own research. I read the books. I listened to the podcasts. I, you know, reached out to experts. And when something isn't a part of the mainstream uh, education culture, that is where it starts. Like, yes, there are flaws to that. Yes, there is bias that will be introduced there because it's not, um, you know, generalized. There's, there's, there's still lots of things to discover. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, that's an opportunity because we are the ones discovering, we are the ones figuring out what we need to be supported as, uh, as practicing clinicians, as health at every size advocates. Um, and on that note, I would say that creating community is essential for getting through all of this. Um, it is so important to have a community that you can go to when you come up against issues, whether it's personal or professional, because it will happen, it does happen, it is very common, and it's really hard. 
So, for example, um, you know, I have noted that there's a lot of, you know, weight stigma and fat phobia still within the therapy world that has not been challenged. So I made a health at every size therapist group on Facebook, and now there's a resource for people. Um, those kinds of things, while they might seem um, minuscule, they make such a difference in terms of burnout, in terms of um, feeling like you are able to withstand the fact that we are swimming upstream. You can't do it alone. You really can't. Um, and, and that's not like a bad thing. You know, humans are wired to connect. And so really, I think it's leaning on our, one of our most innate strengths, which is connection. Um, and that's one of the reasons why getting, you know, a formal license can be helpful because now, okay, I'm a social worker, so I can join a social work community, right? But again, there are limits to those things, and I wouldn't allow them to limit you, if that makes sense. So that's where I'll leave that. And that's our show for the day. Thank you again for listening to Navigating Nuance. I'm Ashley M. Saruya. Please remember that this podcast is completely driven by your submitted questions and your financial support. This is a Patreon-exclusive podcast. If you enjoy the content, please encourage people to sign up for the Patreon. It's only $2 a month, and you get all of this exclusive content. I very much appreciate those of you who have signed up. Uh, absolutely, please send me your listener question, as I will prioritize them. Uh, and you can do that via DM at Cozy Bay on Instagram or via email at Ashley M. Saruya, or excuse me, or via email, Ashley at AshleyMSaruya.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.